welcome to this week's episode of the Stephen Perkins Podcast. My name is Stephen Perkins. This is my podcast. And no, you can't have it because it's mine. It's not named after you. Uh, you're, of course, listening to this on the Outset Network, uh, the Out- Outset Podcast Network in particular, uh, along with all other sorts of fun and great and valuable shows. You can check them out by going to Outset Network. And now that I've said Outset Network enough, I also want to let you know that we are on Patreon. That's right. If you enjoy the content we put out, put your money where your mouth is, babe. Um, That sounded aggressive. I'm sorry. But you can go to patreon.com slash Outset Network and throw a couple of shekels our way, if you will. So this week I don't have an interview, but I do have... The beauty and power of my own voice, and I'm before you click off because I know what you're thinking. Uh, you're thinking I, I can't put up with uh, many more minutes of this. Uh, well, the good luck is that, or the good thing is that this is going to be a fairly brief episode. But I do want to just chat about a few things because this has been uh, an interesting week, to say the least. Some good has happened, some bad has happened. We'll cover both of them because I'm a fearless journalist. Um, And let's start off with the obvious thing that happened uh, on Wednesday, Valentine's Day. And I'm not talking about the fact that I didn't have a date. I'm talking about the shooting at Parkland, at the Parkland Florida High School. Um, as, as, As we have come to expect, uh, when these things happen, uh, they turn very political very quickly. Um, and so I want to chat about some of those angles and some of those aspects of it and potentially offer a new perspective. So honestly, at this point, we don't know much. We know the shooter's name, which I will not repeat here because I don't think a mass shooter's name ever deserves to be repeated. Um, they become they become kind of just this evil force immediately as they do that and they don't deserve to have their name recognized uh what we know now is that there are 17 victims um there were uh, originally they were reporting i think about 20 um 20 injuries in the school and and i think just over 20 people were taken to the hospital but we have now 17 victims who were killed um some of them teachers and athletic uh people in athletic positions uh, but most of them, unfortunately, uh, students, and we are, are just learning some about their stories. And th- there's some honestly amazing stories of heroism coming out of this. Um, and I do want to highlight some of those. But first, let's talk about the political side of it, because whether we like it or not, these things become extremely political almost immediately on social media. Uh, and so there have been a few things that have been said this week in response in, in the context of gun laws, in the context of mental health, in the context of the victims and the shooter and all that stuff. Uh, there are things that have been said, and I want to break them down. So the first thing that's been said, this was popularized by Senator Bernie Sanders. And just a spoiler alert, because I'm sure you could have guessed it when I said his name. It's not true. He, uh, he, he put out the statistic that 18 mass shootings have happened since the beginning of 2018. 18 in just, uh, just over 40 days. Um, that number is striking, but that number is also inaccurate because that, that number is not the number of mass shootings. That number accounts for any time a weapon was discharged in a school, which includes 
by the way, suicides. There's also one instance uh, that's involved in that uh, of an elementary school child who discharged a police officer's weapon and no one was injured. Um, and so that statistic, uh, we've, it continues to get circulated, but of course is false. And then there's also this uh, idea, um, which we'll talk about how the students have, have kind of pushed along this idea, but this idea that um, you hear it all the time, sensible or quote, common sense gun laws would have, presented, would have prevented this. So let's break some of that down. The solutions that would have prevented this shooting um, are basically nothing. Uh, there, there's not a law that is not currently on the books that could be passed that would have present that would have prevented this. Uh, background checks is one. Universal background checks is one that comes up a lot. Well, the shooter actually purchased his weapon legally. He passed a background check, um, according to authorities. There was no he didn't break the law in any way when he purchased his weapon. Another idea that gets passed around, of course, is the idea that. Criminals or, or people with a criminal history should not own weapons. Well, that is currently the law, and the shooter also had no criminal history, and so unfortunately that one doesn't work either. Uh, the two big ones that are a little more politically challenging to actually get done, an assault weapons ban. First of all, the AR-15. Uh, in case you're wondering, AR does not stand for assault rifle, so let's first uh, make that clear. Um, also, anything can be an assault weapon because literally anything could be used for an assault. This idea of semi-automatic weapons being more dangerous or, or, or getting rid of them would prevent a shooting, I don't see how. I don't see that if you have someone who is predetermined to cause havoc, how causing them to use a, a, a non-automatic weapon uh, would keep them from, you know, they're like, oh, well, I can't use a semi-automatic weapon, then I, I guess I, I just won't do it. Um, on the flip side of that, there's also the high capacity uh, magazines. Now, a lot of states, t uh, 10, 10 rounds is anything above that they consider high capacity. First of all, 10 rounds or really anything below probably 15 is not really that high capacity. But second of all, in this case, as, as we saw from how long it took police to respond, do you really think that the, the, the dozens of minutes that it took police to respond would have prevented him from reloading? I, so I, I don't understand that one either. And I, I think these are two, uh, the, the assault weapons ban and the ban on high capacity magazines, I think those are two that are easy to say, oh yes, those would clearly um, do it. But unfortunately, I don't think the logic follows those. And politically, it's not feasible. Politically, the assault weapons ban was repealed in the 90s. Um, and, and, and to put it back in place, I'm afraid, would be very challenging. And also, I, I don't think logically that banning them would even reduce the number of mass shootings that you have. Let's talk about the real problem in the case of Florida. The real problem is that current laws and procedures should have been enforced and followed. They weren't. The FBI received tips about the shooter. They interviewed the person who called in the tip, but they never did anything about the individual who the tip was about. The local authorities received dozens of phone calls about the shooter, literally about his intentions to shoot a school, about social media postings, about disturbing behavior, about things that he said to people. They knew all of this because those things were called in and they did nothing. 
There was no escalation of these concerns by anyone who contacted either the FBI or the local authorities. So when the question of what can be done to prevent another one of these instances comes up, what we often find is that what could be done is enforcing and following existing laws and procedures. I'm not convinced that we need to add a new law as much as we need to actually have an FBI and local authorities who follow up on these very disturbing calls about people who have these intentions. To me, that's a no-brainer, but there's very clearly a disconnect between law enforcement uh, and uh, in these instances. Now, some people have brought up, oh, well, the FBI was too busy investigating, you know, with the Russia and Clinton investigation. First of all, the FBI is a very large organization. They have field offices. Uh, and so to insinuate that, that they're not very good at multitasking uh, just kind of shows the, uh, the peasant level of intelligence that you possess, or I guess lack of possession there. Um, the other part that comes up, and the one that I really agree on, but and in, in, in Republicans, this is kind of their uh, their initial go-to response, is, is they say, we need to have more resources for mental health. We need a better discussion about mental health. We need to fight uh, the challenges of mental illness more effectively. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. However, and, and by the way, the president also said it. He said it during his State of the Union that we need more resources for mental health and mental illness. The problem comes when this administration's budget would reduce federal funding for mental health resources. So you can't tell me that that is a priority, that that is something we ought to do, and then simultaneously cut federal funding to it. So we can increase military spending and we can increase spending on surveillance programs and we can increase spending on these social welfare programs, but we can't increase spending on mental health resources. Maybe it's because that's not actually a priority of ours. Maybe it's because people say that as a quick response, but they don't actually mean it. It's times like these that we um, obviously feel a bit helpless. Because there, there, there's two things that I believe about both sides. Uh, if you are pro-Second Amendment, if you're a card-carrying NRA member, I do not believe that you're okay with this. I don't believe that you want to see these things happen. In fact, quite the opposite. I, I, I think that you want to see lawful and responsible gun ownership and, and, and use. And likewise, if you are on the left and, and, and you believe that there needs to be gun control and gun reform, I don't believe that you're trying to take away weapons. Now, some of you on the extreme side, yes, you, you, you probably do. You, you'd probably like to see an Australian-style uh, confiscation, confiscation program. Uh, but for the most part, most mainline people on the left do not. And, and, and so... It becomes impossible to have a discussion, a, a real productive, positive discussion about these things. Because number one, both sides believe inaccurate things about each other. And two, these instances become uh, a fading memory. And we don't talk about them. We say, hold up, don't politicize them. 
and then a week goes by and we say, we we still should not politicize them. And then a month goes by and we've forgotten about it and and we never talk about politics uh, or, or the politics surrounding these things. And that's a problem. And I, I'm i sure a lot of you feel out of control, like you don't have uh, any control over this situation or, or this, this really unfortunate epidemic going on in America. But I'll tell you what we do have control of um, is how we remember the people, uh, how we remember the students and teachers uh, who were heroes from this instance. Um, I want to highlight some of them. Obviously, like I said, 17 victims. Each of them have their own story. But there are three people, actually four people in particular, uh, that I want to highlight. The first is uh, Scott Beagle. He was a teacher who got students into his classroom and shut the door. And before he could lock it, he was shot by the shooter. Aaron Feiss, an assistant football coach, and uh, he helped also with security as a security guard at the school. He threw himself in front of students. People said that they saw him running towards the gunshots once they erupted. A true hero. Two students, Zachary Walls and Colton Hobb, both ROTC captains, they rushed students back into their ROTC classroom and shielded them with Kevlar curtains. That was a truly incredible story. If you haven't uh, heard that one yet, please look it up. They they essentially realized that this was not uh, balloon poppings or... or or the fire alarm that it was a shooting and then they rushed people back inside, pulled as many people as they could into the classroom, realized that they had, because of ROTC, Kevlar curtains and placed them in front of the students. So uh, I'm sure there were many other heroes uh, in that instance uh, as well, and I wanna thank them. And I'll say hearing those stories reminded me of the quote, and this one comes up often uh, in times of, of tragedy, but. You know, this was a this was a guy who influenced me when I was young, Mr. Rogers, the guy who taught me the difference between outside shoes and inside shoes. You know, you wear your loafers outside and your Converse sneakers inside. Uh, he uh, he is famous for saying, "When I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping.'" And that's the note that I want to. Uh, to end this segment on uh, and, uh, and and just say that my thoughts and prayers go out to the people of Parkland, Florida. And yes, it's okay to say that your thoughts and prayers go out. What's important is that you don't forget about the people you thought and prayed about and that you, uh, you fight to make things better. Um, let's jump over now to the next story, which I'm very excited about uh, because, guys, my dad is running for Senate. That's right. Willard Mitt Romney announced on Friday that he is running for Senate in Utah. And I came up with a drinking game for it. Okay, are you ready for this? You got to pull up his campaign video. Um, and if you're under 21, please make sure that you're drinking uh, orange juice because it's flu season and you need vitamin C for your immune system. Don't we all? But the new drinking game is you take a shot every time Mitt Romney says the word Utah. In his campaign video, because I kid you not, he says Utah probably more than he's tried to run a campaign. So I'm just saying there's a lot of mentions of Utah. His first speech was on Friday night at a local Lincoln Day dinner. And here's what I love about him. He prepared his own slide presentation and, uh, according to Twitter, drove away. Well, there's a video, so it's not just, you know, an anonymous source. Drove away in an early 2000 pickup truck. 
because he's just a man of the people. So we are all wishing Mitt Romney the best of luck in his campaign. Um, I refuse to tell you how much money I've already sent in uh, because I don't want to be um, judged for how much love I have for that man. Uh, but thank you so much for the love that you have for this show and for Outset. Um, the, the love, I, I assure you, um, is reciprocated. So thank you for joining us this week. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Stephen underscore Perkins, Facebook.com slash Stephen Perkins. You can find Outset uh, by going to OutsetNetwork.com at OutsetNetwork on all the social medias. Until next week, thanks. God bless. Thank you.